Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Andy, good morning. How you holding up, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Well, you're working hard, and we appreciate that. And, uh, you know, we, we've been having a fun conversation this morning talking about Cody Bellinger, what it means, how pleased everyone uh, is, the players talking about it. We know what a big deal this is. And, you know, technically he gets $5 million more than he would have had last year by opting, uh, by opting out. So he kind of wins a little bit. But I feel like this is a really good uh, contract for the Chicago Cubs. I know he can opt out after each of the – first two years of the deal, but it, it buys them time, gives them cover. They got a great player coming back in and you don't have to worry about regression because uh, it's not a long-term deal and it's not something that, uh, that you have to worry about beyond that. They're paying them 30 million, which is the most they've ever paid anyone for a season, but it feels like a good deal for the Cubs. It, it really does. And it feels like a good deal for both sides. Clearly one of the, I guess issues with a lot of teams with Cody Bellinger was the the underlying metrics, right? His batted ball data kind of didn't line up with what his actual numbers were. So there was some concern there. He was also coming off two really, really poor seasons in 21 and 22 that I think people were wondering, is 2023 who Cody Bellinger is, or is it more closer to who he was in 21 and 22? I kind of tend to think he's kind of somewhere in the middle and probably a little bit closer to 23 than definitely what he was in 21 and 22. But it allows him to kind of essentially reset his market once again, right? If he has a really good season this season, he can go back into the free agency market and probably find that long-term contract that he was trying to get this season that clearly he could not get. Andy, you know, a lot of people in Chicago are, you know, believers in Ryan Poles. They love what he's done so far for the Chicago Bears. But when you're looking at the front office of the Chicago Cubs, you got to tip your cap to them as well. I feel like they understand what they are doing, not only – for the future of the team, but but in the present as well. Yeah, it's Dansby Swanson yesterday had, I think, a really interesting quote where he says internal improvements aren't always the sexiest or flashiest things. And, and I mean, everyone would agree, right? It's more, always more exciting to to have Cody Bellinger join your team and have him be, contribute to the lineup than say, like, oh, let's have this prospect get a run of at-bats. Like, the, the, the prevailing thought among fans and among everyone else is always going to be, well, you want to have that sexy veteran come in and just free agent veteran just come in and turn around your lineup. 
but they've really done a good job of building up this farm system to where a lot of these prospects that you heard about when they were first acquired or when they were first drafted, whatever it was, you're like, they're so far away. They're at the point now where it's like, well, they're at double A AA or triple A or potentially trying to be on a major league roster. Andy, we had an interesting uh, conversation with Bruce Levine where we asked if uh, the presence now of uh, of Bellinger means that Pete Crow Armstrong is back to the minor leagues, and you know you could put him in Iowa and you can get him every every uh, at, you know at bat you could dream of, and maybe maybe he fights his way back up Christopher Morel style from last year. And Bruce seemed to think, no, you're, you know, he's the best defensive outfielder on the team, and you'd be better off with him as a defensive replacement, uh, even for a guy like Cody Bellinger, and have Bellinger come in and be a defensive replacement at first base. Are, are you, are you leaning toward PCA being back in the minors, or is he ready to be that kind of? defensive guy, even if he doesn't get as many at-bats in the major leagues? I tend to lean more towards the minor league side, but I see Bruce's point, and I would wholeheartedly agree in the sense that if the Cubs are trying to win, which they clearly are in 2024, then you want the best possible roster, and having Pete Crow Armstrong as a defensive replacement in the outfield presents your best defense, or your best optimized roster, right? But for his development and for the Cubs' long-term future, is it best that he sits and maybe plays once or twice a week and doesn't see hitting or major league pitching, excuse me, for, for long periods of time. I don't think that's probably the best course of action for his development and for the Cubs. So I kind of tend to think that his best, his best pathway is going back to triple a getting every day at bats. And whether it's an injury, whether it's like you said, forcing his hand, like Christopher Merle did, like I think it, it gets to the point where come could be as early as middle of April or may or whenever the Cubs have the decision to make, well, this guy's ready. How do we, find a way to implement them into the lineup. Andy, when you're looking at this Cubs team last year, you know, I'm not talking about pitching here. I'm talking about position players. They tried their best to inject some youth and some spark into this lineup with a couple of names. I'm curious of those players, you know, the Jared Youngs, the Matt Mervises, you know, even the Pete Crow Armstrongs. Uh, of all of those young guys, who do you think is going to make – now nah, let's leave out Pete Armstrong because that's a too easy of an answer. You know what? Let me ask a more specific question <laughs> because I guess I really just want to know about Matt Mervis. I've been talking about him all day, and I guess of all the young guys that I saw last year, Andy, he's the one that I feel like maybe not got the got a raw a raw deal, but I wish he would have gotten a little bit more time, or he wouldn't have been under so much pressure when he came up. So I guess my question to you is: a guy like Matt Mervis, does he strike you as someone who can make the biggest leap of the non? pitching uh, prospects for the Cubs? Yeah, I'm not sure on that one. Just because it, the, the Cubs kind of front office kind of told you what the, what their intentions are in first base with the Michael Bush edition, and now really the, the Cody Bellinger edition, it kind of puts Matt Mervis as the fourth first baseman in best-case scenario, with Patrick Wisdom also getting reps at first base and, and being a right-handed option at first base. So it's interesting kind of what they've done this offseason and showing what where Matt Mervis kind of fits in the picture. Let's not get it. Let's not forget though. He hits a lot of home runs, which is the hardest thing to do in this game. And that can't be overlooked. I I'm curious as to if they can find somehow, whether it's through injury, whether it's through him, just again, doing what he's done the last two seasons in the minor leagues, hitting a lot of home runs. Does that get him a pathway to maybe an extended run? 
he never really had that extended run. He struggled when he was playing and then was sent down and never came back up. So I'm curious, like, if he gets uh, an extended run, does that have, like, does he turn into a, a major league caliber hitter? I don't know. And really it's getting to the point where is, is, is that going to happen to the Chicago Cubs? With the Chicago Cubs, we don't know either. Are, are they done? Is, is this the team they're going to go to battle with? I mean, we keep, you know, I mean, there's a third baseman that's there. You don't want to uh, block somebody forever, and they're kind of holding tryouts at third base, and it's a great way if Morell can play it to uh, to get him his bat in the lineup every day. But I'm just curious, Chapman is out there. Would would they make another move? Are they out of money? What do you make of whether – I mean, I know they signed uh, Garrett Cooper to a minor league deal, and he could be – a DH for them if things worked out for him. Uh, we'll see what happens. But do you feel like this is co- a complete roster now? It, I, I wouldn't know. I, I wouldn't go out as far as to say it's a complete roster, but I, it kind of feels like they're done. I, at least they're acquiring out of town. Maybe there's a reliever that that they they find a deal that that both sides work and and they go after it. But it, it kind of feels like what they have, they're they're content with. And if the right deal presents itself, right, if Chapman continues to linger out in the market and and decides he's willing to take a one-year deal and the, the money lines up, maybe it fits in. But Chapman's just an interesting name because he has a draft pick compensation tied to him. So if you're getting him for a one-year deal, you that not only factor in whatever his contract is, 15, 20, whatever, pick a number, but you also factor in that you're losing your second-round draft pick. And we've seen how valuable those draft picks have become. Two years ago, it was Jackson Ferris who turned into Michael Bush. Mm. They drafted Jackson Wiggins last year, who seems like he could be a, a very decent pitching prospect. You, you don't want to necessarily give up that, that second-round pick for one year of Matt Chapman. And that makes sense. I mean, obviously, they're, they're trying to build something here. We talked about it earlier in the conversation, Andy. You know, there, I do have a ton of faith in the front office of the Chicago Cubs to not only put the best product on the field in the present, but even towards the future, whether that's at the trade deadline – Next year's off season, I, I truly am confident in the front office to put together uh, that that staff. Speaking of staffs, when you're looking at the the rotation of the Chicago Cubs, how are you slotting in these guys in your mind? Like, where how do you see them playing out? I mean, because you know, after Justin Steele, uh, everybody's pointing at each other, kind of you know, because they're the same person. Obviously, we have no idea what Shota's going to bring, but in your mind, how does that ro- rotation pan out? What's what does one through four or five look like to you? Yeah, so after Steele, prob- I would think it's probably Jamison Tyon just to kind of break up the lefties and then maybe Imanaga and then Hendricks. The fifth starter spot's one of the big battles in camp, but uh, Craig Council kind of downplayed it just because there's he's mentioned, and this is true, you can statistically look back on past seasons, you use eight, nine pitchers that to say, like, all right, you have your five starters and these five starters are going to make 30 starts throughout the year. It's just That just doesn't happen anymore. You You're looking at, like, yes, whoever is going to start the fifth game, that's technically your fifth starter. But as we saw last season, Hayden Wesneski won the fifth uh, starter job. And by May, he was, he was no longer in the rotation. There's going to be some, some, some different combination of that fifth starter or really a potentially a sixth starter, maybe to, to kind of give break in some, some rest days for some of the other starters. I, I, it could be Jordan Wicks, Drew Smiley's being started, uh, stretched out to be mm-hmm. a starter. And he's, impl- he's implemented a couple of new pitches, a slider and a splitter 
that he hopes can kind of get him back to where he was early on in, in 2023. Javier Saad's also an interesting candidate, just given he was one of the Cubs' best pitchers on the stretch last year. Uh, when, when things kind of started going wrong, he was still the, the, the most stabilizing force. So there's a lot of interesting internal candidates that could fit into that fifth starter spot. But for, for two through four, I, I would figure it's Tyone, Imanaga, and then Hendricks, um, maybe just to break up the, the, the righty-lefties a little bit. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Uh, uh, Craig Council is a very interesting guy. He's like downplaying the starting pitching. He's downplaying the lineup. He basically says it doesn't matter who leads off or how you use guys as long as your best players are at the top of the order. Yeah, he's just he's just super relaxed about all of it. He really is. It's 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 so kind of interesting to me. Like I had never really I'd never really interacted with Craig Council before he was hired as the, the Cubs manager, and seeing him, the, this is he's widely considered or the the best manager in baseball, and it's just such a calm and relaxing presence that he has, where you're you're kind of think well like like I can see why this guy is the 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 best manager. A lot of players yesterday were talking about. Cody Bellinger's calming presence and, and like how like he's the same chill everyday guy every single every single day whether he's on a hot streak or whether he's struggling and how refreshing that is in a clubhouse well when you get that from the manager that's probably just as refreshing and, and relaxing to see that the guy who's leading you is going to be the same guy day in and day out yeah and it's fun to see a guy like Craig Council you know being there I, I I'm trying to think in my mind and I want to ask you, Andy, your opinion on, like, wh- what is Council's weakest area, right? Because so many people coming in, one of the best managers in the game, going to make a big difference coming in with the same team. It doesn't matter. He got correct Council. But where are some areas that you think he might he might struggle in? That's a good question. I, I mean, the the at least if you look at his resume and and what his past has said, it, it would you would say it's the playoffs, right? Just given the 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 struggles that Milwaukee has had in the playoffs. But the playoffs also are a complete. There's a lot of randomness. There's no, there's no, like just because you're a good manager doesn't mean like you're a bad playoff. Like there's there's so many variabilities that go into playoffs that you can kind of write that off. I think the biggest thing for Council right now is just getting to know the Cubs organization. He's been with Milwaukee for so long that I think his weakest point, and he's making it an effort to not make it a weak point, is just getting to familiarize himself with everything about the Cubs, the players. We've seen him on the backfields chatting with Owen Casey, chatting with some of these prospects, just getting to know them and how important that is. And he's stressed that and he's preached that and he's 
gone through with that. You see him talking to everyone in the organization, getting to know them, because he's mentioned numerous times some of these guys that you think they're they're probably not going to be in the in the major leagues. They could be getting big at bats or pitching big innings come uh, June, July, August. You know, one of their most intriguing signings is Hector Neris, just because of the way last season went and the way they kind of melted down in the bullpen uh, at the end of the year. And so you bring this guy in, and I think it's going to be fascinating to see exactly how he's used. You know, he's a, he's he's technically like the high leverage guy, but we don't know what inning uh, council is going to consider the high leverage inning. Yeah, and Hector spoke about it in one of his first media availabilities. He mentioned the ninth gets kind of all the attention because it's the last inning and, and games you can lose games in that situation. But sometimes the biggest situation occurs in the sixth or seventh or eighth inning, and, and he's ready to pitch in all those situations. What is interesting is, is in his contract, he has the, the games finished clause where he gets an incentive if he, depending on the number of games he's finished. So, like, this is maybe – Craig Council didn't go out and flat out say that Adbert Alzali is the closer. He's in the mix, and he deserves to, to be in the mix given how he pitched last year. But does that maybe factor in a little bit? I don't know. Um, but Hector Neris, I think, is – I, I agree. It's probably the most underrated signing that they've made. Like, Bellinger is the flashiest, and, and Imanaga was, was really important for the rotation. But the, the struggles late last season kind of came down to the bullpen, and okay. the three guys that they relied on were Merriweather, Leiter, and Alzali. And by the end of the season, Leiter and Alzali were dealing with injuries, and Merriweather was kind of the only arm that was relied was able to be relied upon. You add in Hector Neris, you add in a Yancy Almonte. They have Carl Edwards Jr. in camp on a on a minor league deal. They've built in enough veteran options that they don't have to turn to a prospect coming up for the first time and and hope he can get used to major league uh, environment right away and be a high leverage arm, kind of like what they were hoping with Luke Little late in the season. So it, it, they've built up enough veteran depth that they can kind of protect themselves from, from overusage in, in the bullpen. Yeah, it, it, it is really interesting for that very reason. And I think that, you know, as we look at their um, young players, um, you know, is Ben Brown going to be knocking on the door eventually and is he going to be up here? Does that mean someone in the rotation moves into the bullpen? You know, we, we don't know exactly how they're going to go about this, but they've got, like, seemingly an endless supply of these young arms on the way. Yeah, and, and it's interesting to kind of, going back to that bullpen point, I remember at this point last year, the, the Cubs didn't make a ton of veteran bullpen signings, and, and the thinking was, well, they have so many young arms coming up through the bullpen that they're going to be contributing, and then a lot of those guys struggled in the minor leagues or got hurt, and really, like, uh, Daniel Palencia was really the only one that was kind of pitching regularly, and Luke Little, I know, came up late in the year, but there was there was this abundance of young relief pitching that was supposed to be, that was supposed to be ready to contribute to the major league roster, and it just kind of didn't happen. So, yeah, like they have a lot of starting pitching depth right now, but as we've seen in a, in a, in a baseball season, a lot can happen. Ben Brown uh, seemed like he was going to be a major leaguer at some point last year, and then he dealt with an oblique or, or lat injury late mm-hmm. in the season that he, he ended his season on, on, uh, with, on the injured list. So, yeah, they have a lot of options right now, but part of the reason why you built up so many options is because guys are going to struggle, guys are going to be hurt, and you're, you're not going to be able to say, well, we have 12 starting pitchers. That's a good problem to have because you – at the end of the day, you might only have eight or nine. Great stuff, Andy. Thank you so much. Really appreciate all the insights, buddy.
Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.